open your Bible to Psalm 62, and we're going to get after for God alone. I want to draw near, but I want to draw near for God alone. And that's a discipline, right? And then becomes a, a delight, maybe a desire in between. And, and we'll all get there, but I want to, um, for God alone, get alone, and I want to seek him. I want to draw near to God because he promises to draw near to me. So let me read the passage straight through. I don't get to do that very often, uh, but this passage is a, a good size, and let's do it. Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall and a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. Remember, this is David and he's the king. Probably a higher position than any of us will ever attain, so to speak. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, and, but inwardly they curse. Selah. Sure, you're wondering what that's all about. Selah is a pause. And it's a pause to lift high God. A pause to exalt him. You sit in the words you're saying and it makes you worship. And so I just ask you to join me the next time there's a Selah. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath, and those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are altogether lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that the power belongs to God. 
and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. Father, we pause and we ask you to let these words that David penned, that people sang and worshipped to, let them sink deep into our hearts. God, change something in us so that when we get alone, it won't be for any other reason than for you alone. Capture our hearts, capture our very motives, and cause us, Lord, to change our thinking, to change our minds, to understand that you exist and that as you're here, right with us, you're worthy and only worthy. And that we should seek after you longingly and <laughs> with all of our heart. For you alone, God, give us the power of the Holy Spirit by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. For God alone is. Well, why? Why God alone? Why should I spend all my time for God alone, right? Why should I get alone for God alone? Why? Why? Well, I'm going to give you three solid reasons from this passage, and I mean solid. Three reasons why for God alone. We're going to practice it again this week. We're going to immerse ourselves in these, and we're going to let everybody see our progress. You're like, but I'm alone. Yeah, you know what? They'll just see the external, the, the way you act and what you do. They're not going to see you in the prayer closet. That's not what we're talking about. They're going to see the result of having been with you. Like Moses' face shown, you'll be different because you've been with God. Here's the first point, the first reason why God alone God, for God alone, is my shield in the struggle. God alone is my shield in the struggle. He's my shield in the struggle. You see it there, for God alone, my soul waits. That word waits there could also be translated rests. So many times I'm anxious, but when I wait in silence for God, I'm resting in his strength and not in my own. He's my shield. He's my refuge. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my hiding place. In silence there means to be patient and not complaining. Shit your mouth. Okay? Come before God. Stick with it. Stay there in patience and don't complain. From him comes my salvation. Uh, that word, you could write it in your Bible, also means victory. It might be say victory in your Bible. He alone is my rock. That's a solid place. And my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. So a fortress is a place where, if you can just imagine, I mean, I don't know if any of you have been in the armed forces, but uh, it's kind of awesome if you're in a tank. Okay, 
But, you know, they got missiles that can blow that up now. You know, like, you know, like that doesn't feel too safe. But, you know, warriors, soldiers, they feel confident in a fortress. In an unbeatable, unstoppable fortress, soldiers feel at ease, at rest. They wait, sometimes overconfidently, uh, but I would say confidently. Especially when you're talking about God. And not greatly shaken. Let me just say this, that means not demoralized. Isn't it so often in life we get demoralized? We get shaken, but not here. We don't know the context of this. We don't know why David was saying what he was saying. It could be uh, Samuel, uh, for Samuel 1 through 4. It could be um, for Samuel 14 through 18. Absalom, his own son, taking the throne from him. But I think the reason we don't know, and it's good that it doesn't state, is because David has so many of these things where he has learned to sit in the cave when Saul was going after him, right? When everybody was going to attack him, he was sitting still, knowing that God was his shield, having faith, right? If you think about verses in the scripture, God is our shield, God is our faith. Think about Ephesians chapter 6. Go ahead, let me throw it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6. God is our shield, and this isn't big enough to protect me from anything. But if you imagine, I probably only have this much faith. But if you imagine a much bigger faith than this, you see how the shield is growing? And how the bigger my faith the bigger my shield, the bigger my refuge, because God is enough to protect me if I believe it. You get it? So you have Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord, Paul says, and in the strength of His might. God is my shield in the struggle. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against, on the rock, right? The schemes of the devil... You're like, well, against the devil, I thought his attackers were people. Absalom, maybe somebody else. Yeah, well, <laughs> keep reading. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He wasn't wrestling against Absalom. He wasn't wrestling against other people. And you're not either, if you want to know the truth, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over the present darkness. Is it a dark place? Can I get an Amen. This is a dark place I live in. This is the world against the spiritual forces of evil, even in heavenly places. Satan's in heaven accusing you right now. You think somebody here on earth is a good attacker to you? Take it up a few notches. Satan himself is at the throne room of God saying, He's not all that. She can't do this. So you can leave behind whatever you think the problems are on this earth. You've got bigger problems. So he says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day 
and having done all to stand, stand firm, like on a rock in a fortress where you know you're going to be victorious because God is your salvation. That kind of confidence is the confidence that David sang this psalm in. He's not shaken. He's not trembling. He's resolute about the fact that God is God. And he has nothing to fear. Come whatever will come. The verse I'm getting to is uh, Ephesians 6.16. I think you're all familiar with this verse. It's one of the pieces of the armor. It's the shield of faith. And it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. How big is your faith? I want a big shield, right? I don't want just a little thing. I want a big old shield, like one of those plastic ones that riot police have where they can get their whole body behind it. I want that. With which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. Sure, these flaming darts may come in the words of people. They may come in the actions of a friend or loved one. But these are coming straight from Satan. These are coming from James 4, right? Why do we fight and quarrel amongst us? It's because of our own stinking lust. It's our own desires. It's our own wants. I want it this way. I want what I want, and that's all I care about right now. And so, it says in verse 3 and 4, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They lie. They're deceptive. And this is how they're deceptive. They bless with their mouths like, hey, everything's good to your face, Dan. We're having a great day, Dan. And I love you, Dan. But when I walk out of here, I'm going to tell everybody how bad you are, Dan. Like, that's what they're doing. (laughs) You know, that's what they're doing. And it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't feel right to even go do that now. It doesn't feel right to me. I said he was a good guy. I love this guy. There's no way I'm going behind closed doors and saying, I don't, I don't know, Dan. And yet, if you're thinking about this now, in proximity to what we've said and what we've done this week, then repentance is quick because we haven't always done that this week. God help us. I would just say this, hashtag the struggle is real, right? Life is hard. Life is hard. It's a battle. It's a war. I feel like I got to have my dukes up all the time. And yet God's saying, rest in me. But this struggle is real. I want to relate to you guys in that. And so the struggle is real because of these five things. Here they are. You might have something you can add. Unrealistic expectations. Anybody? Huh? My boss expects so much from me. I don't know how I could possibly please him. My wife thinks I'm supposed to be Hercules. Or just say something intelligent today. All right? Such a big expectation for my wife. (laughs) 
the hashtag, the struggle is real because of ungrateful people. Isn't it true we are an ungrateful people? Man, I was just thinking as, as Brent and the band led worship, I was just thinking, again, this week, God uses them, God pours out his spirit on them and brings us to the throne room again? Woo! You know? And yet, I felt that in the moment, and I might never say it to him if I didn't say it right now. So grateful for you. So grateful for your team. So grateful for the time they put in. But we come and go every week like, of course it's supposed to be like that. I've been to a lot of churches. It's not like that. Ungrateful people make the struggle real. Struggle is real because of unrelenting attacks. I mean, people get a bee in their bonnet that's something, something, and they will not relent. They are coming. This is this way, and there is no other way. And I will tell you again, don't do that. Like, I mean, it's like we're stubborn. It becomes a battle of wills. I'm praying that today some people will get off their attacks and they will repent. That's not what the message is about, but that they will repent. Because this is for God alone, not for your little whatever you think you need to have. Your desire, your lust, your thought, your discernment, your judgment, whatever. Fourth thing, struggle is real because of unstoppable lies. I mean, I could stop the lies when I get in the closet with God, but when I come back out, they're still coming. Right? People are saying things, they don't know what they're saying. They think they know the truth, but they don't have a clue of the truth, right? And I'm doing that too, where I'm like, oh, I know this is the truth. I know this is the way it is. This is it. And then you're like, well, if you just ask a few clarifying questions, you would find out that's not really true. So let's be good at asking some clarifying questions. The struggle is real, lastly, because of unpredictable weakness. I don't know the next time I'm going to just be so weak in the flesh that it's going to make it hard on you. The struggle is real even right here in the own flesh. My weaknesses are so unpredictable that today when I go home, I might yell at my wife. I might be frustrated with my kids. I might do something I regret because it's so unpredictable, the yuck inside of me. And so I have to be on this. I have to be for God alone. He's my shield in the struggle. I'm not straight. I'm a leaning wall. I'm not strong. I'm a tottering fence. I'm not solid. They could thrust me down. Except for in God and God alone. Jesus is my rock. He's my salvation. He's my fortress. Faith in God is the shield that I need in the struggle that I face today and every day. Faith is the fact that God is sufficient. He can give me rest if I seek Him in quiet heart. And I'll get before Him and I'll just say, God, you take it all. I want to focus on you and nobody else. And you watch your things 
all the whatever you want to call them, trials, problems, circumstances, situations, you watch them all melt away when you get face to face with God. That's why for God alone. That's why. Because he's my shield in the struggle. And the struggle is real, but the shield is powerful. Choose faith this week as you go out into the battle. The shield of faith is the antidote. It's the answer for fear and despair in hard times, in a hard world. We clear? That's pretty clear from God's word. That's what it says. All right. Selah. Come on! Oh, I'm supposed to be quiet. Gets me so fired up. For God alone, O my soul, verse 5, wait in silence. Now, notice he doesn't say waits in silence. The ideal of waits in silence, now, several verses later in verse 5, is an imperative, a command. You wait in silence. And it's like, David's like, no, no, it's not like, oh, the ideal is to wait in silence. That would be awesome. It's like, you wait in silence right now. It's like he's training his spirit to sit down. For my hope is from him. It's from God. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. And you notice the change here too. I will not be greatly shaken in verse 1 to, or in verse 2 to in verse 6. I shall not be shaken. I will not be moved. For God I wait. From God I hope. On God I stand in victory and in glory one day. In God I trust at all times, whether good or bad, whether easy or hard, Verse 7 says, on God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. And then you notice something here. I have this verse boxed in my Bible because something special happens here. It's all pretty personal before this. Me, my, me, my. And then he turns the, the, the corner and he's like, you're all invited. Let's go. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. It's a safe place to do so. People will let you down. You'll pour out your heart at small group and somebody will say something to somebody else. They shouldn't. They'll repent of it, I'm sure. But they're just human. You'll pour out your heart to your wife or your husband and they'll be like, build a bridge, get over Right? Maybe that's just me. But if you pour out your heart to God, pour out your heart to Him. God is a refuge for us. God, God, you keep talking about God like you know Him. Who is God anyway? I've never seen God. Maybe you're here and you're saying all of these things to yourself. Make it clear. How can I trust God, see God, hope in God, stand with God? I don't get it, God. 
I'm going to flip over to Colossians chapter 1. You can join me if you want. God is real. He is straight up real. And this passage, above all passages, will put flesh and bone on God like none other. And so I just want to read it for you. If you're like, God, God, this God that you have this personal relationship with, you're going to get alone with him in the morning like, he's invisible and I can't see him. I don't feel him. I don't know him. I don't want him. And I think that last phrase is the most important. I don't want him. Because I think if you would change your mind right there and just simply have enough faith to say, God, if you're real, show me you're real. If you're real, I want to know you're real. If you just had enough faith to turn that corner, if the grace of being here would just activate your faith just that much, and you would read this and ask God, just pray even now, God, as he reads this, reveal yourself to me. Open my heart, open my mind, let me see you. I've never seen you before, God, but I want to feel you and I want to see you right now. If that's your prayer, listen as I read. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, this Jesus. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created. Jesus created everything in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You would blow up apart from Jesus right now in your chair. Splat! That's what this is saying. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. That's this church and every church that will name the name of Jesus Christ. He's the head. We're the body. We're the hands and fingers and toes doing his will and work. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. You're like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, he's the first place. He's the reason we get alone for God alone. Jesus is interceding for you at the right hand of God. He's the first place. He's the first son. He has the best seat in the throne room. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You're like, I want that peace. You can have that peace by the blood of the cross, just like we took communion. I think we all feel a little more at peace after communion, don't we? It's just a great reminder of what we are and where we stand and who we're in. And then this, and you, me, us, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Didn't I say just a second ago? God, God, I don't know. Who's God? I don't want God. <laughs> Didn't I just say that? Seemed kind of hostile in mind. Anyway, I was like that one time where I was like, I already know God. <laughs> I don't need God. I got him. I grew up Christian. 
I went to church, right? And then you're like, hold on, I need God, I have sin in my life. The sin awakens me to the fact that I need God to save me. You can't be saved if you're not lost, so if you don't think you're lost entering here, there's no way you'll be saved. You don't even know you're alienated, and you don't even know you're hostile in mind. You think you're doing well. But this should be clear, doing evil deeds. So if you're doing evil deeds, then you're alienated and hostile in mind. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Do you know Jesus Christ, because of his blood, is going to present Steve Diedrich a sinner? Holy, blameless, above reproach before God Almighty, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, and not shifting from the hope of the gospel. It's the hope of the gospel. It's that thing. That's the rock I stand on, the rock of Jesus Christ. That's the fortress I hide in, the good news of the gospel, that it's not my best effort, but that it's his work on the cross that saves me and sets me free from all my sin. And it's the way I can live going forward to have a victorious Christian life, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the only way I'm going to trust him. The point here, number two, is he's my safe place to stay. Because Jesus died for me and rose victorious over sin and death, God is my safe place to stay. He's my safe place to sit. He's my safe place to stand. He's my safe place to speak. He's my safe place to be silent. He's my safe place when it's hard, when I need rest. He's my safe place to read the word and hear from him. He's my safe place to find refuge. So here's a good afternoon point, because I think you're like, what does it mean to pour out my heart to God? Like I see you do, Steve. What does it mean to pour it all out for God? Well, if you'd like to see that in writing, I think you should go read the book of Psalms. Right? Because the Psalms are David and other believers, right? Pouring out to God. Sometimes like, God, where are you? And sometimes like, God, you're right here. I'm standing on you. It's like so up and down like we are. You go read the Psalms, the book of Psalms, and learn what it looks like to pour out your heart from, to God, before God, and spend some time getting alone with God right there in those chapters, 150 to pick from. You're like, how do I pick? What day is it? Oh, pick 27. Psalm 27, it's the 27th. That's how I pick sometimes. Like, I'm never going to get above 31. Multiply it by whatever number you want. You'll get there. <laughs> My God. He's a safe place to stay. And that's saying a lot in this world because there's not a lot of safe places. You want to get alone? 
and sit at the feet of Jesus Christ, that's a safe place. You can stay there and nothing can touch you. Sit, stand, speak, be silent, whatever you want to do, but do it there for God alone. For God alone. Take the time to stay for God alone. Selah. This third point. God alone is my source of supernatural strength. He's my source of supernatural strength. I'm going to, we've read this already, but uh, let me just give you a few tidbits. Uh, verse 9. We are nothing. I don't know if you knew that. I'm not sure you came to church to hear this, but we are nothing. Here's what it says. We're nobody, right? Low estate, came in feeling pretty low today. I'm a breath. High estate, I'm on cloud nine. It's a delusion. It's a mirage. Unless it's in Christ, it's nothing. In the balances, they all go up. They are all together lighter than a breath. How heavy is a breath? Well, did you brush your teeth today? <laughs> right? Whew. Lighter than a breath. John 15, 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from God, I can do nothing. You've got to be connected to the vine. And then verse 10, just some good stuff here. Extortion. Extortion is obtaining money or some other thing of value by abusing one's office or authority. Ooh, that hits home. I've never say I'd extort someone, but that definition hits home. Robbery. Robbery is taking of property against a person's will by violence or intimidation. How many times have you intimidated somebody to give you a donut? I've done that a few times. Man, those donuts look really good. I'm sure you'd like to share. It's like stealing. Here's the problem. Here's the realization I came to. My power. Do you have power? Look at that. Bam, bam. I got power, right? My power. Here's, here's the realization. Is most often the result of extortion, deception, theft, and sometimes even riches gained well present the danger of self-reliance. I'm strong because I have money. And my strength comes because I climbed up your shoulders. A lot of times my power comes from that, and that's what David's saying. I'm not going to get power by climbing on somebody else's shoulders. I'm going to get power in one source and one source alone. Verse 11, once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. You're like, I don't even understand what that means. If God only spoke once, how did you hear it twice? Anybody? You're like, that's an oxymoron. I don't even know how that's possible. Think echo. God, 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 right? Think echo. 
But think repeating, right? Echoes don't just go twice. He said twice, I've heard it. Echoes just don't go twice. This is a Hebrew way of saying, okay? It's the Hebrew way of saying many times, repeatedly, I have heard this. It's such a truth. David has often heard these words, and the lesson they carry was written on his very heart. Sealed on his heart, ringing in his ears, is this right here. That power belongs to God. And that to you, O God, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. And I just would assert to you that the reason God's so powerful is because of his steadfast love. God is powerful because he's the only one who can love you unconditionally. There isn't the person you're sitting next to can't love you unconditionally. There's strings attached, whether you want to admit it or not, there is. No matter how hard I try to love my kids and my wife unconditionally, I cannot do it apart from Jesus Christ. And that makes God powerful. Because he loves you. He just loves you. You're like, he he knows what I did last night? He knows what you did last night, and he loves you. He knows what I said this week? He knows what you said this week. And he loves you. He's pursuing you. He's coming after you. He's going to get you because he loves you. Verse 12 says, he will render according to his work. He will render to a man according to his work. So the best way I can illustrate this is just quickly here. Um, Balances, there they are. And uh, everything you are, everything you have is like a breath. So Weighs nothing. It weighs nothing. This rock is a very small God. But let's just let, let it represent God. I don't have a very big scale. Okay? God is a rock. God is a refuge. God is a fortress. And you put God on the scale. He is worthy. You try to put anything else on here, and God will overpower, overbalance, over. Put your great accomplishment, put your published whatever, put your success in ministry or money you've made, whether extorting, robbing, or made it clean. Whatever you put on this side, God is greater. God is stronger. He loves you more. He's everything. And so God... That's why we want to get with God alone. Because God is the ultimate strength. He is the source of supernatural strength. You want to, you're like, I don't have enough strength to go through this week. Get with God. It's time to get alone in a room with God. That'll give you some strength to walk through life. God loves me unconditionally. He set Jesus to pay the debt for my sin And I wasn't straight, but now I am. And I wasn't strong, but now I am. And I wasn't solid, but now I am. And I wasn't sure, and maybe you weren't sure walking in here today, about God or what he can do for you. But I'm just going to submit to you that now you should be sure. Don't walk out of here unsure about who God is and what he can do for you. God loves me. He's the source of my strength in the battle. 
no matter what people may say about you, me this week, or do to us this week, God keeps the books, and one day, He will give to sinners and to saints the rewards they deserve. One day, we will stand before God, and it has to balance. And I'm telling you this, nothing I put on here can balance it. So what am I going to put on this side? I'm going to put Christ on this side. Because God balances with Christ. Matter of fact, he's one. And his love for you will make everything balance. So that it will be right, even, righteous. I implore you to spend some time alone, for God alone, this week, drawing near because he's worthy. He alone is worthy.